Hi, this is John Barnes, and you're listening to Cop On. Hello and welcome to Cop On Podcast. The final whistle went an hour and nine minutes ago on Manchester United nil, Liverpool Football Club five. And it reminds me, I'm not sure if I've mentioned this poem before, but the beginning of Sonnet 33 by our bard, the Swan of Avon, William Shakespeare, which goes, Full many a glorious morning have I seen Flatter the mountain tops with sovereign eye, Kissing with golden face the meadows green, Gilding pale streams with heavenly alchemy. And frickin' hell, there was some heavenly alchemy going on there. I'm delighted to be joined uh, by Liam and by Doug, Douglas from the Dugout Football Channel. I'm going to start with you, Doug. Doug, that was breathless. That was record-breaking. It was magnificent. But before we get into which records we've actually broken, I just want to know how you're doing. Oh, I'm absolutely buzzing after that. Um <laughs> Do you know? Do you know? Do you know the funny thing is, like, at, at the start of the game, I was actually feeling very sort of nervous. Like, you, you obviously sometimes I think sometimes you sort of get nervous in these, these kind of games. But um, you know, obviously after like the first, you know, for, first three minutes, and then obviously you know we got the got the early goal in the, and I think it was the fifth minute. Um, it was just complete. I I have actually never seen us actually go to Old Trafford and play them off the park like we did today. I thought thought it was absolutely fantastic, but I'm absolutely buzzing. Um, I'm I'm almost I'm like I'm almost in tears. Like I like I'm I'm like speechless of what I've just watched. This Liverpool side is very very special. Let me tell you that. It's unbelievable, and I know what you mean. There's an element of shock. I did a, a YouTube preview. Listen, listeners, every Friday before Premier League games, we're going to do a PL preview show only on YouTube, so head over to Cop On for that. On the preview show, I invited a couple of Man United fans. There was a guy called Fergus McKee, lovely guy, and uh, Tom. Tom is a journalist, and they're both Man United fans, and we were doing predictions at the end of the show and I said 5-2 to Liverpool. I thought we could realistically score five, but now it's happened, Liam. I'm in shock as well, like Doug, because not only was it five, it wasn't 5-2, it was 5-0. It was a clean sheet, but it was it was stupendous. How are you, Liam? I'm great, but I'm even better after that, as Doug just said. It's one of those things that key... <laughs> See your speech or something. My memories of winning at Old Trafford is the uh, the five-time celebration, obviously last season, the Torres. Um, and then last season, we had the 4-2 win, Gerard kissing the camera. They're my two main memories of winning at Old Trafford, but I think this tops everything, really. You know, you'll I'm sure you'll go on to the records that we've broken in a moment, but, I mean, what a game, what a performance, obviously. Man United are in a great space at the moment. I'm sure we'll talk about that as well, but that can't detract from what we've done. What I just a great afternoon, really, as Douglas has just said, I'm, I'm speechless. It's madness. It's madness. I mean, I've got I've got uh, one, two, three, four, five, six different tabs in front of me, um, and some of them have some of the records that we we you know. Uh, Mo Salah scores in the tenth consecutive game. 
which I don't think has ever been done in Liverpool history. Um, Salah is the only opposition player to score a hat-trick at Old Trafford in the PL, in the Premier League, and the first since Ronaldo in 2003. I'm not sure if he's the first one to score a hat-trick ever for Liverpool, because remember, football did not start with the Premier League in 1992. It did exist a hell of a long time before that. But, um, you know, it was our biggest victory at Old Trafford ever. Um, it was our um, biggest victory, our... Uh, God, I've got to find it again. Um, it was our uh, biggest wins in official games on LFChistory.net. It was our biggest win. Yeah, we've only ever beaten them 5-0 once before. That was at Anfield in 1925. So it's our biggest victory in the top division since 1925. There was one game before that when Man United were still called Newton Heath when we were both in the old second division in the at the end of the 19th century when we beat them 7-1. And <laughs> Liverpool's an old club. Manchester United are an old club. And you don't get to break these records all the time. Um, but the, there's one more record, which is that of Jurgen Klopp. And and I think we need to talk about Jurgen here because, uh, you know, he's, he's the first one that we need to talk about of these boys, these incredible guys, these wonderful, wonderful people um, who are involved in our club. He's at the fulcrum of anything. And one record is that he's the first Liverpool manager in history in our in all of our history to go undefeated in uh, seven consecutive games against Manchester United and you know Liverpool Liverpool's history everyone knows 1892 we were formed that's a heck of a long time ago and it's unbelievable that we've got these record breakers including Jurgen Doug because the way that you know we didn't have Fabinho, we didn't have the best defensive midfielder in the world. And whether Mane and, and, and Matip were injured or what, but Jürgen decided to, to to rest them. And there were some jitters, even from me, I could admit it, before the game thinking, oh man, how can we, how can we survive at the back? I was worried about Ibu being uh, not so good in the air. I thought we'd score goals. I really did. I think we'd score goals. But Kloppo was absolutely, got his tactics absolutely magnificently perfect, Doug, didn't he? 100%. I mean, I think at the start of the game when we saw like uh, Manny, Matip and Fabinho weren't, weren't starting, I think we were like, oh, okay, okay. Um, but I have to give a shout out to Kanati. I think he had a fantastic debut today. I think there was only one moment where I think he, he uh, led us into trouble. But apart from that, I thought he had a very, very solid debut. Um, and yeah, I mean, Jurgen Klopp was the first Liverpool manager in history to be undefeated against Manchester United in seven games. That That's incredible. Absolutely incredible. But it just goes to show that We've got a very, very special manager in charge of our football club. Um, you know, United have got a club legend, but the thing is, like his his managerial record is not of that of Jurgen Klopp's, who is a, a frequent world class manager. But um, yeah, look, I think I think today he just got the tactics absolutely spot on, um, and you know, I think the way we actually played as well. You know, once you get the first goal, 
just go on and get the second. We, we didn't sit back. We managed to go and get the get the get the second goal. Um, even at two 0 I was a, I was a little bit I was a little bit nervous. But once the third the third goal and fourth goal went it, you you just know it's uh, it's it's uh, it's victory. But um, yeah, Jurgen Norbert Klopp, what a guy, what a man, the normal one as people called him, not the normal <laughs> one anymore. <laughs> well, I mean, he called himself that, um, but uh, no, he's he's never been normal, has he? He's a very, very special guy, um, and there's a way. It's really I found it. I found it really interesting. There was one of the podcasts that I listen to regularly, one of the many, and I really can't remember who, who which one. But they had a really interesting interview with John Achterberg, and in the middle of the interview, I think it was Blood Red actually that had John Achterberg special and in the middle of the John Achterberg special um Pep Linders walked in and they started having a chat with Pep as well and Pep alluded to the fact Liam that this season they've been working on something different they've been working you know since pre-season Jürgen's first pre-season with the guys they've been working on something different and we look different this year in that we're, we're extremely clinical we were 4-0 up at halftime. I'm going to say that again. We were 4-0 up at halftime at Old Trafford. Great googly moogly. And there's a way in which, especially the first goal, uh, the cater goal, where the team itself, it's the tactics. Where When you have um, a press that isn't so hot, like Manchester United's was pretty awful, let's, let's be honest about that. But the way in which the team plays around is diff- plays around teams and plays into space and and uh, you know it punishes teams this season it's there's something different going on and i can't quite put my finger on what it is um i don't know if you've got any ideas as to what it is i've got a couple of ideas that we're doing differently this year liam because we're just clinical or even if you don't have any ideas um you know how great it is just to watch us being so brilliant i don't know what do you think liam I think you've said there that they've found something different. And my personal take on it is when you, you know, when we really started to kick on the club in 17, 18, as the last time I were on, we were discussing that season. And the 19, 20 season, we were a bit more conservative in that when we won the league, which you need to be to win league titles. And in 17, 18, it was gun ho, best form of defence is attack. I think we've found a little bit of a middle ground. We have been a little bit more open at the back this year than we have been in previous years. You know, that season, the 98 points and then 97 points and 99 points, we were built at the back really strongly. And I think, you know, we still are really strong at the back. But I think in in terms of going forward, this is the best we've ever looked. You know, in three of us last five games, we've scored five goals. And in the other two, we've scored two and three. So goals are just going in everywhere, obviously Salah's in his best form. I think it's finding a a bit of a, I'd say middle ground is the word I would use in terms of that the tactical shift has been different in terms of we seem to be a bit more free in going forwards. The midfield is a bit more loose, you know, there might be times where they're getting passed through, but in terms of creating things going forward, they seem to have stepped up an edge and Again, in terms of the forwards, they're creating um, a lot more chances as well. Salah, I think this has been Salah's best chance-creating season from the first period of 14, 15 games anyway. That pass from Henderson was just 
chef's kiss uh, for the last goal. So just in general, I think they've found a, an attacking unit that's a bit more a bit more free than it was in the last couple of seasons, disregarding last season as an anomaly. Um, but they've still got that sort of defensive ground from the last two seasons as well. So I think this, if you can really get these two tactics together, which obviously you can't be really solid defensively and really good going forward, so there's some middle ground. But I think if we've found that, then we look unbeatable this season. Yeah, I don't know if Doug, you've got you've got any ideas about it. I think um, it's something to do with the, the the triangle. You know that we saw it with Harvey Elliott and and Salah and uh, Tr- uh, Trent at the beginning of the season, and, and I think we're seeing it more and more. This sort of triangle cater today when he was on the pitch. Um, do you have any ideas about how we're doing it? Like Liam says, we're creating more and more chances. Yeah, um, just just to. Just to go on the part of the fifth goal, does it, did anyone think that that Henderson pass was Gerard-esque? Reminded me of the, the pass yeah. that Gerard played to Daniel Sturridge, Sturridge yes. at Fulham uh, all those years ago. It was absolutely perfection. But just to go on, obviously asking, you know, um, you know, creating more chances. Yeah, I think I think we have actually found a new lease of life. Like whenever we are going forward, we always look like we're going to score. Um, and especially when you've got Mo Salah um, in absolutely far. I think that was his 10th league goal this season. Uh, correct, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think I think that was his 10th um, Premier League goal this season, um, Mo Salah, which is absolutely incredible at this stage in the season as well. And I, I mean, you just... You're, you're just you're just an absolute awe of what we're actually um, doing. And the fact is this. Liverpool have scored five away at FC Porto. We have scored five away at Watford, and now we have scored five away at Manchester United. It's just, it's just incredible. Like I, I thought the nineteen twenty team was absolutely special. I tell you something else. This team is just extra special. Um, you know, you know, pe- people would have probably questioned the decision to maybe play Jota ahead of Mane today, but. What what a performance from Jota! I thought he was very very good. Curtis Jones comes on. I think he had a very very good game as well. Obviously, Mona um, came off injured in the you know in the first half very early on, and you have to give Naby credit today. I think Naby had a very very good game, and then obviously on the end of what was an absolutely horrendous challenge from Paul Pogba. Um, we all know that Paul Pogba doesn't have a good game against Liverpool anyway, and you know he's just he's just gone and done that with a with a straight red card. So happy days, happy days. Yeah, I mean that that's sick. I mean it is such a such a downer when players do that. It, I don't know. It, players get into their into their minds that it's okay to do that. Like when they're frustrated and they're they're getting hammered, and it's okay to just slam into players. It's not. It's really not. And we could have had it several. Well, we, we did have two injuries today, but Milner's was more from the poor pass of Roberts, Robertson. He's damaged something, something in his knee, and I hope he's okay because they can be really tricky, those, those injuries. But there are a couple today. Bruno Fernandes as well, a high tackle with the studs up. Um, you know, there was, there was one, there was a boot in the face as well. And it's just, I think it's disgusting, you know, talking about, before we go back to talk about happier times, I think it's absolutely disgusting 
that players have that in their minds that it's okay to like basically injure players when they're annoyed when their team's getting beaten. No, that's not it being was... a man. That's or being competitive or you know, mm. it's just disgusting. I don't know. There's but... some kind of machismo nonsense going on there. But carry on. There was bro. there was the Ronaldo challenge on Curtis Jones. That's a red card. I'm sorry, yes, but as clear well, as day, as well. that's yeah. a red card. He He's kicked him in the stomach. Mm -hmm. Yeah, he just booted the ball at him, no intention. If he was trying to play the ball then, he would have tried to roll it backwards, you know, and he could have done it maybe, you know, I don't know. Mm -hmm. But I think the whistle had gone and yeah, he's just kicking the ball into another play. It was dangerous play. Could have, uh, you know, damaged his ghoulies. But I tell you what, um, speaking of ghoulies, um, Mohamed Salah, going back to what you said, we're going to go back to talk about the happy things now and just say get well soon, Naby, and James Milner, but especially Naby, because no one deserves to be on the on the, on the the receiving end of such absolute shite as that tackle. Um, but Mo Salah, Mo Salah, talk about the positives. Um, Liam, that's, that's his 10th goal, as Doug was saying, absolutely correctly. His 10th goal in the Premier League in nine games. He's also got four assists. Um, I don't know what you want to say about Mo Salah because there are millions and millions of things we could say. But going away with the match ball today, Mohamed Salah, um, what do you want to talk about, Liam? I mean, the goal's mainly uh, the best place to start. I mean, I was just looking then. It's 15 goals and five assists in 12 appearances in all competitions this season, which is just mind-blowing, really. It's, <laughs> that is, in in my mind, that's, you know... <laughs> Ballon d'Or winning numbers, really. Of course. It's mm -hmm. in that level, and that just shows that the comments of best player in the world at this moment in time are more than justified. I think when you come into a ground like Old Trafford and make it your playground like that, it just really typifies someone that, you know, we are witnessing greatness. And in my eyes, he's probably the best forward I've seen wear that red shirt in my 20 years sporting the club. I know that's probably a big claim. Obviously, there's been Owen, Fowler, Suarez, Torres, but every week this season and in seasons past, there's an iconic moment. There's been iconic moments against Man United before with the ball from Allison, and that's when we all believed we were going to win the league that season. To go there today score a hat trick like it's nothing and I mean everyone on the pitch made it look like it were nothing really we beat them in every area of the park but Mohamed Salah just in general even against Atletico Madrid you know he's the man we look to just give him what what he wants genuinely I'll, I'll give him my yearly salary if it means he stays literally he's just <laughs> he's just incredible it's again it's one of those situations where you just lost for words in the sense that someone like this is playing for your club. You get to watch him week in, week out. And the things he's doing are, in a sense, probably magical. Magical is a wonderful word. And and I think it's a good idea. We could have a whip round. I mean, he's after 400 grand a week. So we need 400,000 Liverpool fans to chip in a quid a week. Um, I'd be up for that. You know, I'd, I'd pay, I'd pay, you know, I'd cancel my Netflix subscription, give, uh, give eight, eight pounds a month um 
and uh, you know, I'll, I'll be doing more than my fair share uh, because yeah, you're absolutely right. Watching this magic week in week out is crazy, and he's getting better and better. I don't understand it. He had seven shots today, four on target, three goals. Uh, two key passes, and check this out. This is the highest I've ever seen from any attacking player. A 93.6% passing accuracy. He had 59 touches of the ball, and each one is dangerous. I mean, you know, who scored famously stingy with their ratings? But they even they gave him a 10 out of 10 performance today. I don't know. I I've never seen... I'm trying to think, have I ever seen a better performance from a Liverpool player on the pitch? Gerard, Gerard in the in the European Cup final, maybe, but then he was dodgy in the first half. I don't think I've ever seen one. Doug, have you? Have you ever seen a better performance from a from a Liverpool player? I, I can't I really can't think of one. Um I suppose the only one you can really go back to is Louis Suarez against Norwich, and the was it, was it five was it five one good at Anfield? Call. Yeah, good call, but that was against Norwich, and that was um, I mean it yeah. was brilliant, it was unbelievable, it was breathtaking. The goals were unbelievable, but yeah, I mean that's that's yeah maybe maybe, but Salah is just just clinical. My word, go mm, on. Go. I think I think if we're I think if we're talking about probably best performances ever, that has to be one of Mo Salah's, um, and probably in a Liverpool shirt as well. I think you you look at you look at like how many touches of the ball he had today. He had Sean toast. Like I don't know what Rashford was doing. Like it, like like we can obviously take the. The, the bad side of things, you know, away from obviously Manchester United's the defender, which was absolutely horrific. They've obviously watched Everton from yesterday. Um, but, uh, but you have to say that um, Salah, like everyone says, oh, Salah can't have scored against Manchester United. Well, he's prob- probably shut you lot up, hasn't he? He's, he's probably shut the the load of Manchester United fans saying, oh, shocking, shocking, uh, Shocking managed to defend against um, Harry, uh, uh, against Mo Salah, but Mo Salah had him on an absolute toast today. And, you know, was it no for De Gea, the scoreline would have been a, a lot, lot more um, today as well. Um, but Mo Salah is a special, special player. Um, I'd probably say this is his best season ever in the Liverpool shirt. I mean, how many goals could he potentially get? You know, he's already on 10. You know, by the time he goes off to the African combinations, he could potentially be on about twenty. I'm not I'm not even kidding you. He could potentially be on about twenty league goals by the time he goes to the African combinations. We he'll are seeing, a, yeah, he'll he'll be on twenty by the next international break, Doug. Mm-hmm, yeah, the 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 way he is going at this moment in time is is just, is just mind blowing. I mean, he could as I I will say I, I, this this may be a bold prediction or or, or anything. But Mo Salah will probably be on, I would think, probably between 15 to 20 league goals by the time he goes to the African Cup of Nations in January. And I think he will potentially win the Golden Boot again. And it could be something like 25, 30. I, 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 think, I think we are seeing potentially a record-breaking season in the Premier League, and especially for you know Golden Boots. I think the, I think the highest was probably 33 for um, Suarez. In that thirteen fourteen season, I think he's 31. going to beat that. No, no, no Mo Salah's actually, yeah, Mo Salah's actually already got the record. He's thirty two. He could, he could break his own record because he could uh, break yeah. his own record. Yeah, yeah. The, the boy, crazy. the boy is absolutely special, but yeah, he's totally our Egyptian agree. king. 
I totally agree. He's uh, he's he's unbelievable, and I think it's entirely re- within the realms of possibility. I've never seen him play play as well. He's much better th- than even in the forty four goal season, because his all round game is crazy. It's crazy. It's crazy good. Um, let's talk about each goal uh, before we go on to like player ratings and stuff. Um, so each goal, the first one. Well, it says on this is Anfield.com. They've got a lovely little summary of each goal. It says Man United fans who were singing about food poverty inside three minutes. So here's Manchester who's got a, that's got a lot of poverty in its city. And they're making fun of the fact that what Liverpool started food uh uh, fans supporting um, food banks, you know, there, there, there are initiatives to feed people because the government doesn't and there are failings of the economic system and Liverpool is a completely, um, you know, economically ravaged city in certain places. I mean, you know, it's I don't know if it's still like that exactly, but it was when I lived there and I think those places are still very much struggling. Poverty is I can't believe people sing about that. We've never addressed it on Cop on Podcast. But, you know, if if you're those fans now, um, you know, I just I'm just so happy that your team got stuffed in a record breaking way because that's just stupid and it's sick. So on this is Anfield, they say Man United fans who were singing about food poverty inside three minutes saw their side fall behind within five minutes when a lovely passing move ended with Mohamed Salah playing in Naby Keita and the midfielder coolly slotted past David De Gea. And I just want to talk about that finish, Liam, because it was it was beautiful, wasn't it? Yeah, Naby Keita's finish. I think just in general, the confidence early on there, you know, scoring early in these big games is always a big confidence boost. So for him to be able to go through there, the nice little pass from Salah. Salah said after the game he could have gone for himself, but I think everyone's glad that he passed to Naby Keita in that situation. I think just to be able to play that ball just slightly past um, De Gea to the right was a, a confident finish for someone who's been given a lot of unnecessary um, stick in the last week, I would say. You know, we've just, we've just beaten Atletico Madrid 3-2, the first team to score three goals away against Atletico Madrid in the Champions League since Diego Simeone was in charge anyway. And he was getting a little stick and he scored a worldly. But I think, you know, his confidence, despite his injury, was shown that he's not one of those players that listens to the press. You know, I think James Pierce's article was really harsh on him. I think his performance against Atletico in midfield in general from Henderson Milner himself wasn't great. But, you know, he won the game. It were a big game in our Champions League campaign. And that's not affected him going into this game. I think he was confident on the ball. He was good going forward at times. It almost felt like he was playing as a right wing back or a left wing back. He was picking up wide positions and he got himself in those areas to score the goals. As you've said, a really nice finish for his goal. So it got us off to the perfect start. And then I think from there, I had the confidence that when goals are going in like that, it felt so easy. When a goal like that goes in so early, we were in for a good afternoon. Yeah, it did feel like that as well. And I didn't doubt him in the slightest when he went through, uh, you know, but Mo Salah, credit for the pass as well. Perfect timing and the perfect decision again from Mo. Uh, but the finish is just, you know, some players get in front of a, a great goalkeeper like De Gea and they stutter or they struggle. I mean, Emil Heskey would have ballooned it, for example. But Naby Keita, I did not 
hesitate. I did not stutter. He didn't stutter. He just wrong-footed the goalkeeper. It was beautiful, beautiful finish. And in the words of this is Anfield.com, it was 2-0 soon after, Doug. Harry Maguire all over the place, being pressed by Cater. The ball went out to Trent Alexander-Arnold and his low cross was turned in by Jota inside the six-yard box. What were you doing at this point? Because at that point, I had just um, blown my nose. I'm just getting over a bit of a cold. And um, I just, I don't know, I, I turned around and I threw my dirty tissue onto my sofa in celebration. Uh, what did you do, Doug? Um... I, I mean, I was like, obviously, um, we've we've not got we've not much furniture in in this in this new place. Um, <laughs> so through your sit- dirty tissue on the floor. <laughs> <laughs> so I've, I've been actually sitting on I've been actually sitting on the sofa bed actually watching it, and um, I like it's just pass, 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 wasn't it? I mean, yeah, like the, the as as I've said previously the defending was uh, a lot to be desired but you still have to finish it and my goodness me what a ball from Trent Alexander-Arnold and uh, yeah Jota 2-2 two and two against Manchester United um, not many people do that so that's um, that, that was that was good I thought he was I thought, I thought he was good today as well but uh, yeah I, I did uh, I, I did cheer very wildly uh, when that Jota goal went in because you just get you got the sense that when it went to 2 as long as we manage to not let them back in, um, you always had a feeling that this could be a that this could be a route. And yeah, I mean, the, look, it's 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 absolutely fantastic to you know get the get an absolute fantastic victory like that. But the, the I thought the passing movement for that goal was absolutely fantastic. Obviously, um, you know Salah to to Trent. Um, and then to 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 Jota, and uh, obviously if you play if you play fantasy Premier League, um, I think Trent got me. I think it was eight points, and Salah got me forty two because I had him as captain. So uh, <laughs> it was too. very very special day indeed. <laughs> yeah, absolutely, absolutely unbelievable. Um, but uh, no great stuff. Yeah, Jota, credit to him, credit to him. He's he he was a danger um, all game, superb. Um, it was 3-0 before half-time. It was actually 4-0 before half-time. But it, it became 3-0 when Liverpool again proved too much for United, as it says on thisisanfield.com. The ball fell for Cater inside the box on the right in acres of space, and he squared it for Salah to hit home for his customary goal, the Egyptian scoring in his 10th consecutive game. Um, clinical is a, is is a way that we've... You know, we've talked about it a little bit uh, already, but the the way Liam that 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 for me was was the clinching goal, uh, and for me, I stood up and I walked over to the other side of the room, and I was I was sort of, you know, Jurgen as well. He did his sort of vibrating fists near his crotch, which is you know a celebration I've seen. That's the third time I've seen him vibrate his fists near his crotch. I wasn't doing that exactly, but I had some weird sort of fist punch in the air movement for the third goal. Because for that that one for you, Liam, was that really the clincher? Because I thought United until that point had actually created quite a lot themselves. 
Yeah, we seem to go through a little bit of a period where Fernandes had a couple of chances, Ronaldo had a couple of chances, and they were just getting... They seemed to be growing back into the game a little bit. And then I think as time went on a little bit, we managed to recompose. And then obviously the goal took a really lucky deflection into Cater's path, but just the cross towards Salah. And then you know when Salah's in that position, it's... It's good night Vienna, really, or good night De Gea, and then that was it. Three 0 <laughs> good night Manchester United, and I think that's when all the fans started to think, "Let's go, we'll we'll have McDonald's on his way home for tea, or <laughs> get a takeaway, or go to the pub to drown his sorrows because sitting here for another hour watching us get royally beaten isn't the best way to spend a Sunday evenings." But yeah, a, a good goal. I don't think it would. I'd probably say out of the five, it was the. The poorest, I know that's not really a matter when we've just scored five against Manchester United, but I think it was quite lucky where the ball um, broke for Cater. But again, he's got to be there to get out to that ball and then put in a great cross for Salah. And then, as I said, when Salah's in the six-yard box, I don't think there's a better six-yard box finisher than most Salah in world football. So, yeah, in that situation, when 3 nils done, I think it was bye-bye Manchester United. And I was like you, I was... In belief that we'd we'd done it, I can sit and enjoy the rest of the match. But obviously, there was um, I expected it to calm down after that. That it'd have end three one, maybe four one at the push. But we had a couple of goals to enjoy after that. We did indeed. Uh, continuing on, this is Anfield.com. They say, and it was 4-0 in first half stoppage time when Salah doubled his tally, stroking home with so much space inside the box after being put in by Jota. United a mess, Liverpool clinical, that's what they say. Um, the goal, I mean, they didn't mention the finish. They just said, uh, you know, stroking home uh, simply on this is Anfield. But I thought that finish was absolutely terrific. And on the fourth goal... In stoppage time, um, I was, I actually, I made it all the way to the kitchen. Uh, I just walked, uh, you know, danced into the kitchen. I did this sort of jig in the kitchen uh, when it was 4-0. Um, I, it, I, I, I'm lost for words because that just doesn't happen, Doug. 4-0, as, as I said before at the top of the show, it's the first time in Premier League history, maybe even in their history, that Man United have been 4-0 down at home at half-time. And uh, what did you do after that goal? And what did you do during half-time? Did you go out for a walk? Did you go for a run? Did you, I don't know, did you call someone uh, that you know? Did you call a long-lost friend? Did you write a letter? What did you do, Doug? Uh, well, first of all, I went into the, the kitchen, like yourself. I walked, walked into the kitchen to basically uh, get a drink. And you know the, I think it's the Kermit the Frog um, gif, where you're, he's basically sipping like a, a cup of tea. Well, I had a cup of, I had a, I had a, a <laughs> glass of uh, Pepsi Max and I'm, I'm just, I'm just <laughs> sipping, uh, sipping, just saying job done, uh, basically. And then, um, then I called a few people um, and I've just... I, I was lost for words. Like I couldn't believe, couldn't believe that we were four 0 up at half time against Manchester United. It's just, just dreams were 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 absolutely made of as uh, as well. So, um, I didn't really know what to do at that point. But uh, but no, the the fourth goal. I mean, yeah. I mean, nobody has said the finish. It is an absolutely wonderful finish to put its side foot into the bottom corner. And you no, know, De Gea had no chance. Um, anyway, but. 
to do it to do it at that pace as well. I just thought that was absolutely fantastic, and you know, um, as as obviously we both went to the kitchen. I honestly didn't know what to do at that point, whether to have a drink, to phone somebody, to 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 console Rebecca, because obviously, as everyone knows, she is a United fan. So, oh, so her no. and her dad. I didn't know that. Okay. Yeah, right, her, her, and, her and her her and her dad are in complete mourning um, oh, uh, today no. as well. So, um, so yeah, I've got, I've got awkward. So yeah, I've got to got to got to console her as well. So, um, but uh, fu- funny funny thing is, I actually kept going through to, actually kept going through to the, <laughs> I actually kept going through to our bedroom. One day when every goal was being scored, I was going up, oh, yeah, one nil, two nil, three nil, and then four nil. And the one thing she said to me, "Oh my goodness me, United are rubbish." Oh dear, oh dear. Well, there you go. It sounds like she's taking it with good grace, uh, better than chucking stuff at you across the room. Well done, well done, Rebecca. Uh, brilliant stuff. Uh, Liam, how did you feel at half time? What were you doing? Were you walking in the air? Were you dancing on the ceiling? What were you doing, Liam? I think I was just sat in disbelief, really. I can't actually remember what I was doing. I think I was just sat scrolling through to it the customary half-time thing for me. But just seeing, you know, the reaction to all the fans. I don't look at my phone. I try not to look at my phone when I'm watching the game on Twitter unless, you know, we're winning 5-0. So in case, you know, I get a goal alert or anything and it spoils something for me. Not that it should, but I'm watching the game on TV. But at half-time, I just genuinely sat there in disbelief that we were 4-0 up inside 45 minutes against Manchester United Old Trafford. I know this Manchester United side aren't Fergie's Man United, but even still, it's something that I've not seen in my lifetime, and to this extent anyway, obviously. I grew up going to school with Man United fans and getting stick when we were finishing 8th and 6th. And now we can go into their backyard and stick five goals past them. It it just feels great. So my half time was just sat in disbelief, really, reveling in all the joy that was on Twitter. You weren't finding those uh, those people who used to take the Mickey and you know finding them on LinkedIn and sending them messages and all that. Uh, no, I don't. I don't keep in <laughs> contact with them anymore. You know, okay. United oh, is. Okay too far away but no in seriousness just being able to um, look at all our fans on twitter rejoicing in the fact it's you know, great isn't it that's when twitter's really good 45 minutes to enjoy and then you know we get another one inside five minutes after the break it's just one of those things that i'm sure when if, if we do win something at the end of this season this is a moment that'll definitely be looked back on totally absolutely brilliant um Great. Uh, so going into the second half, then uh, Liam, I'm going to stay with you for the for the for the fifth goal because uh, Doug touched on it earlier. The pass from Henderson, he said it was Gerard esque. Um, I actually, uh, you know, <clears throat> mentioned on our WhatsApp group that I thought Henderson's passing is genius at times. And uh, Alan, our friend, he was like, come on, you can't say genius about Henderson's passing. But I've, it truly is. I mean, his his progressive passing, I think, is, is absolutely superb. I was really worried about him, I will be honest, at the beginning of the match because, you know, his tackling... Uh, stats aren't great. He's he's in the second percentile. There are ninety eight percent of midfielders who are better than him over the last year in terms of uh, amount of tackles per ninety minutes. But I suppose 
when you look at instead of what he can't do very well, what he does very well, he he did it all today. Like he was controlling the tempo, he was leading, and he played that beautiful, beautiful, beautiful pass. And again, you know, if you want someone to go through when you feel, you know, secure and safe that he's going to just stick it away with the minimum of fuss, it's Mo Salah. That fifth goal, I mean, if I had to put it in a gif, then I would be, you know, there's that, that gif where two people are sitting in a room and one of them pops open a bottle of champagne and he's like, hey, look at us now, huh? Look at us now. Just look at us. That was the gif for me. Uh, what we, <laughs> How did you feel about the fifth goal, Liam? I know the gift you're on about. I think it's Paul Rudd that um, that's there doing that, the actor. But um, yeah, just in general, the um, the path from Henderson is, as you've said, I think in terms of when Henderson picks a target for a pass, he's one of the best passers we've got in our team. I think the only downside to his passing is when he plays these blind crosses. Sometimes there's like nobody there, but taking away from Henderson's pass, that was fantastic. Probably one of the best moments of the game for me. Um, I was a little bit worried when Salah took, I think it was his third touch, and it almost looked like the ball was going to get away from him and De Gea was oncoming, but he just had the audacity and the coolness just to stick it past him and like nothing and no one's there. It just it just had an air, an air of confidence. You know, Salah's obviously, we, I spoke about earlier, he's the best player in the world at the moment, but that sort of goal, the pass leading up to it, it reminded me of Salah's pass for Mane, really. In a sense, it was a similar sort of, you know, outside the boot, curling inwards towards him, but just in general, that goal, it's hard to describe without watching it, and when you watch it, it's just pure brilliance. It's a proper Liverpool goal. Wonderful, wonderful answer. Yeah, proper Liverpool goal. This is Jurgen Klopp's rampant reds, the rocket reds, absolutely on top form, on fire, ablaze with brilliance. Um, five nil then. Uh, I did put a, a tweet out saying, would you take a point today before the match? And 24% of you said yes, whereas 76% of you said no. You wanted all three. And we've got all three. Going through the players then, from the back, Alison Becker, 81.5% passing accuracy. That's all he had to do today because uh, United, well, no, it's not true, actually, because the, the overall stats, I mean, United, they did have a few shots, especially in the first half. Um, they had, uh, you know, 12 shots, four on target. I can't remember him making a great save, though. Correct me if I'm wrong. Doug, but, uh, you know, talk to me about Alison Becker. What would you give him out of 10 today? Um, as you said, he didn't really have much to do. Um, uh, I'm, I, I'm, actually, I'm actually trying to write from my brain if there was any good, if there was any really good saves that he made, but nothing's coming to my, to my head. So it's really difficult to give Alison um, a, a mark, but I mean, you can't, you can't really give him more than. I would say probably eight. That's, I would say eight. I don't think he. I don't think he's a nine or a ten. You know, he hardly had anything to do. So, but distribution was very, very good. Um, so yeah, I, I, I don't. I don't know. I don't know if I don't know if you or, or Liam agree with me, but I would. I would say eight for Allison. I think eight's a fine mark. Uh, uh, there was one moment when there was a. 
a through ball played and he, and he came out and it was quite a high through ball. He, he rushed out of his, he was in the perfect place to intercept it, he, the sweeper keeper role. And I don't know if you remember this, he just took it down on his knee, this really high ball and then played a lovely pass out. I thought his, uh, his, uh, his distribution was really good today. So yeah, I think eight out of 10 is very good. He looked solid. And again, you know, he's so hard to, uh, you know, to 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 criticise because he's just so cool. I don't know. Trent Alexander-Arnold, he had one shot. He had one shot on target. He had three key passes, one assist, of course. 81.6% passing accuracy, which is very good for him because he's the one who tries the most risky passes. He won one aerial battle, 113 touches of the ball, the second most in the team after Jordan Henderson, who scored gave him 8.34 out of out of 10. Um, I thought he was absolutely tremendous. What did you think, Liam? I'd agree with around the eight, eight and a half mark, definitely, if we have to give him a specific rating. I think the assist itself was pretty impressive just to have the composure there to um, to cross it first time. But, you know, he's done that time and time and again. Um, I think in the defensive aspects, there was a couple of times where it was a little bit open. But I think in that period where we did give a few chances away, Everyone at the back didn't look as composed and as comfortable as we'd have liked, but there wasn't a time where he was really exposed. Ronaldo did do him on the offside goal, but it was offside, so what does it really matter? But in terms of his all-round performance, his passing was excellent. He was picking up those positions. As you mentioned earlier, those triangles on the right-hand side, I think we killed them that, down that side a few times. I think Luke Shaw did struggle on that hand side and I do rate Luke Chor. I think he's been one of the best left backs in the world in the last couple of years so to be able to do that to someone who United fans do say is the best left back in the world just shows the sort of impact we had down that right hand side and I think he was um, that's testament to Trent's performance really just a, another solid performance for me I wouldn't say it was world beating he has had better in a Liverpool shirt but you know in a game like this to be able to get an assist play three key passes as you've just like said be instrumental in the play and transition is all we ask for him, and that's what we got from him. Excellent answer. I mean, I thought, I know, I thought he was absolutely superb. Um, you know, he's he said before match, uh, in, a, in an interview before that I heard before the match, how you know, how much more relaxed he is. He was on NFC TV, how much more relaxed he is now compared to when he made his debut at Old Trafford, of course. And, uh, you know, the nerves don't affect him as much. And he's out there. He knows he's good. He knows he's really good. But there were a couple of tackles I thought that were, you know, really excellent, beautiful timing, great. Um, you know, it's just a, like a dominant performance yet again from young Trent. He's still only 22. Crazy kooky stuff. Uh, he's actually 23, excuse me, 23. Uh, Ibrahima Konate, uh, he's 22. He made one tackle. Trent made two. Trent made two interceptions. Ibrahima Kanati made none. Uh, Trent, though, had no clearances, whereas Ibu had eight clearances, double what Virgil managed alongside him and at the centre-back uh, position. Eight clearances from Big Ibu. You spoke about him a little bit before, Doug, about how impressed you were, but what particularly impressed you about, about Ibu? Can you think of a couple of things? Um, well, there was a moment, I think, when there's actually a few pic pic uh, pictures doing the rounds. I think there's one where Fred is on 
Ebu. It basically just says, oh, just just get off. And I think the other one was Bruno Fernandes. It basically tries to... <laughs> I think he tries to go in on Ebu and the like, Ebu's having none of it. So... I I was just I was just very very impressed, and I tell you something, you know, we've obviously got Martin, we've got Gomez, Ebu, you know, we're pretty pretty settled for you know centre backs now. Obviously, I think um, Ebu was was absolutely fantastic, and you know, such a big game to come into as well. But vibes outstanding, absolutely outstanding. Um, if we're given a player rating, I mean, you probably see he was. I think it's I think it's harsh to say he was better than Virgil, but. He probably was. Um, I would say there was probably one mistake that he made that led to Man United's chance. But apart from that, sawed as a rock. Um, some of the passing, I thought as well. You know, he, he kept finding Jota. I think he found um, Sal at one point in, in the on on the right hand side as well. So I think I, I can't really give anything other than a nine for Ibu. I don't know what you two agree with that or disagree, but yeah, for me, I think Ibu is worth a nine today. I I would definitely agree with that. And Liam, you can tell me if you agree with it or not uh, in a few seconds, because I'm just going to give you a you know a couple of things like 91.7 percent passing accuracy. It's very good. It's quite standard for a, a centre back uh, to have such high passing accuracy because they don't often try long balls but can uh um four long he tried four long balls and two of them were accurate uh, those two that Doug were talking about but alongside him Liam was was Virgil and you get to talk about Virgil who also tried four long balls but three of them were accurate and compared to Ibu's 91.7% passing accuracy Big Virg had 95.6 and that is high even if you're, uh, you know, a centre back who generally they don't, don't they don't take too many risks. But I suppose that was helped by the last half an hour where we were just passing and passing and passing. I mean, there was one, there was one move. I th- it, it was around about 76, 77 minutes. I reckon we kept the ball for about three minutes. I'm going to watch it back, but I reckon it was like about a hundred passes, maybe, maybe even more, but maybe less. Um, uh, it, unbelievable how we kept the ball, even though United were at that point obviously beaten, broken, battered, bruised, and they wanted to go home to a cup of Bovril and, uh, you know, I don't know, whatever they eat, I don't know, some kind of corned beef sandwich or whatever, because they're certainly not athletes. Um, but Big Verge, Liam, Big Verge, uh, what a guy, what a performance. What would you give him out of 10? I think Van Dyke just put in a customary Van Dyke performance. He wasn't noticed too much in terms of the game. There weren't many moments that stand out for me in terms of his plays. You mentioned some of his passes forward were really effective, but he does that, as you've just said, three or four times a game. I don't think at the back we were really exposed too much, apart from that 10-minute period where United had a few chances. Um, I agree with a solid 8 out of 10, really. Not put a foot wrong, passing excellent defensive when called upon excellent I think there's been a couple of people on in terms of articles saying that Van Dyke's not been as good as he normally is and that maybe Matip's been better but I think it's got to a point now where Van Dyke's so good that the other centre-backs always going to have to do more work because they see them as the weak point and I think we've found now that whether it's Gomez, Matip 
or Canate, like we saw today with Ronaldo mainly targeting that side, that there isn't a weak point in our centre-backs. They're all really good defenders and I think we've got the best contingent of centre-backs in Europe. Um, in terms of Konate's performance, I think playing Konate today was an excellent decision from Klopp. I think in terms of being able, United to get him behind, we know that Gary Neville was saying after the game that United's way of playing for the last three years has been countering on the um, after being in a defensive situation and getting in behind with pace. And I think thinking about that and with the way they were pressing, having someone that's composed on the ball, quite physical, but probably of Matip and Canate. Canate's probably quicker going back that way with Ronaldo running behind with him. So I think in terms of that threat, Canate was excellent at minimising anything that Ronaldo was able to do apart from his offside goal. But again, what does that matter? So yeah, both were solid. I'd agree with I'd say an eight for both of them. I don't think any, they had a lot to do to justify anything more than an eight, but nothing nothing to really criticise them. I think both solid performances and it's something that they can build on as a partnership going forwards because Matip's not going to be able to play all season because he's a bit, a bit less durable than Virgil is. So I think we are going to have to rotate our centre-backs and to be able to see Canate putting a big performance like that on his second start in the Premier League was excellent and Van Dijk was excellent once again as well. Beautiful answer. Andy Robertson completing the defence that uh, got a beautiful clean sheet as Liverpool beautifully have won 5-0 away at Old Trafford. Andy Robertson, Andrew Robertson, uh, Scotland's captain, 27 years old. He made one tackle, uh, no interceptions, but five clearances, the second most in the team after Ibu, including one header that where he just, just, just got a little faint touch to, to, to nod the ball away from Ronaldo, who was about to score with his head. Um, I thought Robertson was, was superb, Doug. I know you love talking about him because, uh, you know, he's also your national team's captain. He does beautifully, wonderfully well for the Scottish national team. But yeah, Andy Robertson, uh, what do you make of his performance, Doug? Fantastic, wasn't it? Absolutely fantastic. I mean, I think I think you've, I think if we're given sort of eights all around, uh, you know, uh, to obviously Trent, to uh, Ibu and uh, Van Dijk, then obviously I think Robertson has to get an A as well. Um, yeah, like that header in the you know the first half to stop Ronaldo getting in was was, was fantastic. And uh, again, there's another picture doing the rounds where. Remember when Robertson had his hand on Messi? I think he's this time he's actually telling Ronaldo, "You, you don't do that, son. You don't do that." Um, so, you know, he's he's now taking on Messi and Ronaldo. So, you know, uh, he's definitely got some uh, fight in in him. But um, I thought he was absolutely fantastic today, and I've seen I've seen people getting a little bit. What blase on on Twitter saying he didn't have a great performance? No, 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 no. He certainly had a good performance for me. So I think if you're given all the other defenders eights, um, then for me, I think Robertson's an eight as well. Oh, I'm giving them all nine. Uh, I'm personally, I mean, you know, you're welcome to your own opinion here on Cup on Podcast, and you can do what you want. I, I'm going to give them all nine because I thought they were all fabulous. Um, not why not a ten? You might ask. Um, because 
you know, 10 is super special. 10 is, we got it. You've got to reserve the, the tens for, for, for people like Mo Salah today, who was without doubt a 10. I'm not even going to ask you. Um, so, you know, because it's, it's mind blowingly dazzling, uh, is a 10. And I'm going to, so I'm going to give them a nine, all of them. So I thought they were brilliant. Moving into the midfield, uh, Liam Nabi Keita, uh, one tackle, three interceptions, um, Going forward, he had uh, where has he gone? Four key passes. He only had thirty-one passes in the match. Four of them were key passes. Eighty percent passing accuracy. He got a goal. He got an assist. He got cruelly, cruelly scythed down by that idiot Pogba. Nabi Cato. Um, what would you give him out of ten for his sixty minutes on the field, Liam? I'd say eight and a half nine is probably a fair. A fair rating, as you've just mentioned, a goal and assist. It don't get much better in that situation from a midfield performance. As you said, I think a tackle and three interceptions. That's a solid defensive output as well, considering we had most of the ball for most of the game as well. So solid from Naby, especially after the unwarranted criticism he got during the week. He showed that he can be a reliable player a called upon in these big games. And I think this season, it's probably we've probably seen some of his best performances in a Liverpool shirt, especially consistently staying fit, putting in seven or eight out of ten performances week on week, which is what we want him to do at the back, considering that that's what Henderson and Co are there for. I think he's adding goals to his game as well. I think that he's got three this season. It's rare that Liverpool midfielder scores more than four goals in a season. So he's well on target to do more than that if he can keep it going. Obviously, this injury is a bit of a setback. Hopefully, it's not as bad as it looks. I mean, I'm not quite sure what the prognosis is in terms of first thoughts. It looks like an ankle injury, whether it's a break or, you know, it's ligament damage. It could be a couple of months. Sometimes players are putting on a stretcher and it's just a really bad sprain. So hopefully... He could be back in the next three or four weeks, but that might be wishful thinking. But in going back to his performances for the 60 minutes, he didn't look like a player that was lacking on confidence, as some articles during the week would have you believe. A solid performance. So I'd give him a nine. I thought he were our best player in the midfield. Yeah, again, I think you're, you're alluding to the James Pierce article. I didn't read it. I don't subscribe to The Athletic, but uh, I do find that James Pierce sometimes, I don't know, he goes... It, He's welcome to his opinion, of course, but in his criticism of players, I mean, I remember him criticising Bobby Firmino greatly when we had a particularly poor run of form uh, last season. But I don't think, you know, I don't know. I, I just disagree with him when he, you know, I don't think he should insult our players, because. but I also disagree with how he does it and who he does it. I thought, you know, Cater got so many so much abuse for his uh, apparently poor performance. I thought he was, yeah, I mean, he got dribbled around against Joe Felix, but had Fabinho been playing, he would have been covering Cater anyway, and he he would have stopped Joe Felix, I think. Um, but, you know, no one, no one really talked about Naby Cater's wonderful, wonderful goal, that volley. And then today, super goal, super finish, um, and an assist. Um, he's dangerous. He linked really well. I thought he was, he was really good. Um, uh, yeah, uh, it, whew, I just got Konate on, on one of my tabs. On, uh, I mean, man, it, 
he's he's 22 years old on 152 days sorry to go back to him but he's he's got so much talent so what a great future he has anyway James Milner we're not going to talk about because he was only on the field for 26 minutes Curtis Jones came in for him Doug and uh, to to adapt to an old Trafford thing to come on in the first half as a first half substitute I thought he was a little bit um Rusty for the first like touch, he gave the ball away, but then he recovered and he had the highest passing accuracy in the entire team with 96.9% from 65 passes, which is also the uh, one, two, three, four, the, I think it was the fourth most or the fifth most amount of passes in the match and just and that was him coming on as a 26th minute substitute. Um, Curtis, I mean, you know, I've already backed him for as a future Ballon d'Or winner on Coppon. Um, I still think he could get there. I really do. Uh, because I just, I love the guy. What, what do you make of Curtis? It's like, for me, no, no one knows how, no one talks about, outside a Liverpool fan, talks about how good he is. Or even some Liverpool fans don't even know. Um, what do you think, Doug? Curtis? Yeah, uh, I think I think you've hit the nail on the head. I think he was a little bit rusty when he came on. But after that, he was very, very cool, composed and calm. Um, on the ball, um, yeah. Like I think, I think it's. I I honestly I I don't get all these these people on Twitter that saying Curtis Jones isn't good enough for this Liverpool team. My goodness me, Curtis Jones has definitely um, picked up where he left off from last season. He, you know, he's pick, he's he's getting first team games. And it, it, you know, I think. You you could see Klopp was really angry about the um, English FA really treating him wrongly, and you know quite quite right he was as well because it's, it's absolutely it, it's absolutely ridiculous when you play Curtis Jones in a meaningless game as such as Andorra, right? My 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 oh, honestly, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna go on a rant here, but uh, I'm not even going to anyway, but. Um, Curtis Jones for me is just getting better and better and better and better. And I, what what range do you give him? I mean, you know, he was on he was on for most of that that first half, and then obviously the, you know the second half when he came on. Um, I, I I don't think you could probably go as low as an eight for Curtis. Um, so I, I would I would say, I would say an eight for Curtis, but boss performance, and he's just getting better and better and. Uh, Maybe he could be a Ballander um, contender in the near future. Who knows? Yeah, maybe. I mean, I'm not sure the near future. I mean, you're going to have Mbappe, you're going to have Holland. The near, near future, you're going to have Mo Salah. Um, but yeah, it's 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 going to be great to watch his career. It's going to be absolutely superb to watch Curtis grow and blossom. Um uh, yeah, but we spoke a bit about Jordan Henderson, how well he did, wonderful stuff. Um, I'm gonna just give him a give him a nine out of ten as well because he was he was brilliant. He had uh, he had one shot, he had three key passes, and passing wise, I mean, he had a hundred and thirty four passes today. That's Chabi Hernandez esque with ninety five point five percent passing accuracy. I'm sorry, I doubted you. Captain before before the match uh, because you know <clears throat> he was absolutely superb and yet again I got it completely wrong for doubting him. Um, into the front three we've already spoken about Mo um, Roberto Firmino. Uh, let's uh, talk about him, Liam, because um, he had uh, one key pass, uh, only thirty five passes, with a very 
um, commendable 80% passing accuracy when you consider that he is surrounded by players every time he touches the ball. Um, of, yeah, it's, uh, defensively, of course, um, you know, he, he did well because he, he, he had one tackle, one clearance as well. Uh, but there's a way that he doesn't, he defies stats. There's a way that, uh, you know, when Bobby is on, on form like he is, and he, he has been on form this season, he's been really, really good. Is that he's hard to pick up. He had three shots. Um, he's hard to pick up. Uh, you know, you don't know what he's going to do. You don't know where he's going to be, but you know that as soon as we lose the ball and attack, he's going to harry. He's going to press um, with the ball. He's he he just keeps things ticking along very well. He's very smart. Um, what would you what would you say about Roberto Firmino, Liam? I think, as you just said, he's um, in these sorts of games where he's not among the goals or he's not necessarily the one that's pulling the strings from midfield or being the link between midfield and attack, which he was doing well in transition, but obviously not so much in terms of getting that final uh, final assist, which, again, not everyone's going to come up with a goal contribution every game. But I think he goes missing in terms of that you need those sorts of players on the pitch in these big games. I think it was wise to start him from the outset because he's the sort of man, as you've said, he's going to harry opposition defenders, especially when you've got a fridge in the form of Harry Maguire defending at the back and Lindelof, who's just coming back from injury, if I remember, my memory serves me right. So two unfit centre-backs at the back who don't really have a good record again defending against these sorts of forwards, especially when they're pressed. Reminds me of a goal they conceded this season, just in terms of, I think it was against young boys in the Champions League, just the back. The back two's pressed, Maguire's loose on the ball and they go through and score. But just in general, I think for me, you know, doing that, being able to be that man that works for the team, he's leading the press, he's not afraid to come back. I think to go back to his midweek performance, he was there was times where he's playing right back, defensive midfield, left back. He's everywhere on the pitch and those sorts of plays are invaluable. I was reading um, Melissa Reddy's comments on the game and she said having team players who don't necessarily be pointed out because obviously Firmino was he was the one out of the forwards today that didn't grab the headlines obviously he did against Watford last week but having someone who works for the team is important in transition important in the press important defensive team uh, defensive team defensive setup is a lot more important than um, individualist individualistic performances as you would expect from potentially Ronaldo or Fernandez, which we didn't see today. And she said that was the real the real difference between Man United and Liverpool. And I think that really did typify today's game that players like Firmino can go quiet in these games, not necessarily be talked about so much, but still vital to the contribution and the result. It's a brilliant answer. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I've you know, like like some of you know, I, I'm lucky enough to speak to lots of football pro- professions. That, sorry, football professionals, as part of my profession as an English teacher, works a lot in in football here in France. And everyone I've spoken to, and that's uh, coaches, that's players, that's uh, backroom staff, ev- everybody, everybody I've spoken to in football, um, who watches the Premier League. Who, who knows, which is most of them, and they know uh, Bobby Firmino, they all absolutely rave about him. And, and you're, you know, 
it's a great answer. It's that. It's the unselfishness. And there's something about the identity of Liverpool Football Club, you know, the real Liverpool, going back to Ian Rush, I remember, from my uh, youth, is that, you know, we've always had strikers who work so hard defensively. You know, we've never had the ones that sort of walk around, you know, apart from maybe Ben Teke, oddly, uh, ones that sort of walk around and don't, you know, put in the huge amount of effort that, you know, Mane does it and uh, Firmino does it and Salah does it and and they're brilliant. Jota did it today. And um, there's something about that that I think is just part of Liverpool DNA and any future forward, I would like to see them do the same thing forever and ever for the rest of my life. Just defend from the front, defend with their lives from the front because it makes such a difference, as you rightly say, Liam. Um, moving into, yeah, Jota, the last one we're going to talk about. Because, I mean, we could talk about Sadio Mane. He came on for the last 15 minutes. Oxay chamberlain had the last half an hour. Uh, but I don't, I don't really want to because, you know, they did well. But, um, you know... Oxley Chamberlain, especially. I mean, you just mentioned that he had, uh, you know, two tackles uh, and one interception. He was very good, I thought. Uh, and uh, going forward, did they do anything? Manny had one shot. Chamberlain had one shot. Chamberlain also had one key pass. So he's looking pretty good, Chamberlain. Like he might, uh, you know, be an important player now that we've got yet more injuries. But Diogo Jota is the last player I want to talk about, Doug. You mentioned him before, having a good game. Um uh, he had two shots. He had one on target. It was a goal. He also had two key passes. Um, defensively, did he make any tackles? Yes, he he made one tackle and one clearance, exactly the same as Firmino. And passing-wise, um, Diogo Jota, who at times is the worst of our passes in, 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 at the front. He actually had an 84.2% passing accuracy. So he was very sensible with the ball, kept it the majority of the time. Um, he also tried one successful long ball. What did you make of Diogo Jota, Doug? Yeah, I thought he was I thought he was brilliant today. I thought he was really, really good today. And I think now you see that the left-hand side of that attack is his best position. I don't think he's a number nine, and I don't th look. He's done well at number nine, but I just think today he added a little bit more to his game, getting in the right positions when when the, you know the crosses went in, uh, you know, especially for uh, for Trent. I think there was another one where I think Firmino put wide, but you know he's getting in the right areas again. Um, you know he's made he's made he made an assist today, got a goal. I, I I just think he's getting better and better and better, and you know I think he's had to. He's had to he, he's had to watch obviously Firmino start the last two games, um, but obviously got his start today. And I have to say, I think he I think he did really really well. But I just think if you're looking at the if you're just looking at the way that he played today, I think we might see him more on the left hand side because as I've said, I don't think he's a number ten, and I do think he is a a sort of a Mane. Um, you know, replacement almost. Um, it, you know, when when obviously, um, you know, Manny and Salah go off to the African Cup of Nations, um, you'll probably see Jota on the on the left hand side. You'll probably see Bobby Firmino um, as well, and then you'll probably see either an Origi or a Minamino on the on the right hand side. So I think I think today was uh, maybe a dress rehearsal for the for the left hand side because I think I think that his for me in particular, I think that is his best position in a Liverpool shirt. 
terrific answer. I mean, there you go. We've been we've been through the players, listeners, and I want to thank you for listening. I mean, this is the the whole team, the way we played together was was beautiful. It's 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 been a joy listening to you to you and talking to you, Doug and 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 Liam. Thank you so much for being with us. Um, I just going to leave leave everybody with a little bit of a poem uh, by Friedrich Schiller and it says wherever sorry wheresoever thou wanderest in space thy zenith and nadir unto the heavens knit thee unto the axis of earth howsoever thou attest let heaven be moved by thy purpose and let the aim of thy Deeds traverse the axis of earth. And I'm telling you, whoever you are, wherever you are, listening to Copon, we've got listeners in over 30 countries. This is traversing the axis of the earth. I hope that you are as delighted as Liam is, as Doug is, and as I am. In And I'm sure you are. It's been an unbelievable day. Thank you for sharing it. And, you know, up the reds, you'll never walk alone. All of that stuff. Get in touch. Coponpodcast at gmail.com. And we'll be back very soon. Thank you.